0: chapter twenty three of the heron nest by w bert foster this LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by matt Perard. chapter twenty three the Firefight. there was a good deal of activity about the van place that fall as well farther up the mountain at the heron nest and billy was personally interested in the additional hothouse that the banker built and in the rows and rows of hotbeds that were laid out on the patch in which Billy and his brother had grown their first crop of onions. In fact, Louise Van Coe was the instigator of these changes and improvements. She had grown so enthusiastic over plant culture that her father had let her have a sum of money and told her she might dabble in the business if she liked. Billy was not only her advisor and superintendent, but he had an interest in the business that the girl was determined to establish. She was anxious to prove to her father that the feminine mind was capable of grasping the intricacies of commerce. In the greenhouses, they proposed to raise pinks and roses. In the hotbeds, Billy planted pansy seed in September, hoping to clear out the plants about April thereafter using the beds to harden off tomato plants which could be started earlier in flats in the greenhouse this business he kept distinct from that carried on upon the heron's own place but billy knew that jack would very soon be able to conduct the mountain farm without much help from him what jack would need up there was a couple of husky hands during the season Billy had gladly accepted the opportunity offered him by the Van Coes to get into the nursery business in a small way. Something bigger might come of it, but he did not, at this time, discuss his plans at home. Jack's duties kept him so engaged that he could not become morose over Pearl Mary's treatment of him, but he was sad. Time did not change the girl's determination. She refused to even discuss the matter. Even Billy's good offices for his brother failed with her. "'Find out who I am, Billy. "'Oh, find that out for me,' she cried, "'when his insistence finally broke down her self-possession. "'Let me know who my parents were, wicked or unfortunate. "'Suppose that awful old man, who has been about here so much, "'should really be my father.' isn't the thought enough to make me hate myself oh i know all that billy i know jack loves me and the dear god knows i love him but his father and mother were too too good to me for me to do him such an injury as to marry him unless i discover my parents and unless i learn that they were at least respectable i will marry no man i'll live and die what i am a girl without a name it was after an early morning talk with his sister which ended in this way that billy was engaged about the front of mr van co's estate when louise called his attention to a column of black smoke rising from a point to the east of the heron nest and farther up on the mountain side they were watching this smoke cloud grow and Billy was expressing a hope that it was not a fire in the timber, when they were startled by the rattle of wheels and turned to see Lias Short driving at his pony's best pace down the road. "'Hello there, Billy. Jump aboard, and I'll take ye over. I jest heard about it.'" "'Heard about what, Mr. Short?' asked Miss Van Coe. "Jelfers Paltris,' ejaculated Lias ain't you heard of it soursby's all afire barn and house and crib the volunteer fire company's up there from the village they'll save the cellar Sure's you're born they allus does oh i must go too she cried and billy helped her into the wagon beside elias before he got in himself the tough little pony drew them at a clattering pace along the pike and up the lane which led directly to the Sowersby house, and they saw much more than smoke before they reached the spot. Flames wrapped the entire roof of the farmhouse, and the flying embers had set the barn and other outbuildings afire. The well was quickly sucked dry, and the cisterns were not well supplied with water at this time of year, for there had been more than a month's drought. The neighbors were working like madmen to remove the best of the Sowersby's furniture from the house, and the horses and stock had been driven into the farther pasture. Among the workers, Billy spied his brother, and the Sowersbys might have been his dearest friends, considering the efforts he was exerting to save their chattels from the fire. Nothing could save the buildings, however, and there soon threatened even a greater catastrophe. There was a high wind, otherwise the fire might have been confined to the roof of the dwelling where it was first observed having caught around the chimney Sowersby has stripped his place of good timber but he had left the saplings and brush to grow rankly this undergrowth marched in line with his barnyard fence and covered the entire upper reaches of the hill to the very ridge of the eminence it likewise spread clear to the boundary fence between this farm and the heron nest the wind drove the sparks and blazing embers far out upon the scrub and soon there were brisk fires burning in a dozen different spots it was billy from his seat in short's wagon as they drove up who saw and realized the significance of this fact jack jack he shouted look out for the woods the brush is on fire It will sweep our place, and the whole mountain will be afire before you know it. Most of Sowersby's possessions were already heaped at one side, on the ground, out of danger of the fire. Jack Heron, spurred by his brother's advice, gathered a large part of the men and boys, and with brooms, shovels, branches of trees, and even old horse blankets and gunny sacks, they dashed into the brush and tried to beat out the fires as fast as they caught. But as the flames waxed fiercer at the farmhouse and barns, the embers scattered more broadly. While the firefighters were beating out one blaze in the brush, half a dozen others were started. At last a sheet of darting, crackling flame rolled up the hillside, licking up the small stuff and lingering long enough upon the saplings and young trees to scorch their bark and wither their leaves and branches. The heat from this steadily increasing river of flame was too great for a human being to endure. The fighters were driven back, and the fire spread northward and in the direction of the fence between the two farms. The brush grew close to the fence on either side, and when the fire got into the heron's thicker woods, it would be beyond all control unfortunately there was no open space where a plough could be run and even a wide furrow would not have stayed the fire as long as the wind drove it so fiercely in the natural order of things as long as the wind did not change the fire would pass through the timber above the heron nest and by hard work the bungalow and the heron's outbuildings might be saved Seeing that it would be a fight to assure the safety of their own home, Jack and Billy leapt into Mr. Short's wagon with Miss Van Coe, and Lias drove them over to the heron nest in a hurry. As the pony galloped along the uneven wood road to the heron's gate, Louise suddenly seized Billy's arm. "'Look, Billy, look!' she gasped. "'Who is that?' The young fellow's gaze followed the direction of her outstretched arm. The fire was as yet a long way from the boundary fence, but the cloud of smoke was being swept far ahead of the fire and into the smoke near the fence and running up the mountainside. Billy saw a figure that, in another moment, disappeared. "'Oh, was it a man?' cried Louise. "'I don't know who it could be.' returned Billy, but it certainly was a man, and if he is trying to get over the mountain before the fire catches him, he has his work cut out for him. Who could it be? demanded Jack, anxiously. Father? But Mr. Heron was at the gate to open it for them when they drove in. The other members of the family were in evidence, too, when the wagon arrived in the dooryard. The immediate surroundings of the bungalow was open there was a broad patch of grass and part of the garden between the house and the woods the barn and chicken houses were not so well situated and by billy's advice they began to saturate these buildings with water from the barn cistern and from the feed pipe that brought water from the spring to the chicken runs we can concentrate on the bungalow if the fire threatens it but these other buildings will be in danger first declared billy As the others set to work, Pearl Mary drew Billy aside and whispered, Harry is here. I saw him, and spoke to him not half an hour ago. He's here? cried her brother. Where? Let me set the lazy dog to work, for once in his life he may be of some use. I don't know where he is now, she replied, in the same low tone. I found him sleeping, in the woodshed, in his old place. He had been drinking and was scarcely himself. He seemed better dressed than ever before, Billy, but he was all mud, and he wasn't even shaven. Oh, he was an awful sight, and she shuddered. What did he say to you? asked Billy. He really didn't say much of anything, replied Pearl Mary, with a sigh. He only mumbled when I spoke to him, and he was afraid of me, I believe, or else he was too drunk still to know who I saw. I i was rash, Billy. I tried at once to make him tell me what he he knows about me." And the girl's tears overflowed. "'Rash indeed, my dear,' said Billy, shaking his head. "'You must let me do that. Where do you suppose he is now?' "'He ran away from me. He went up toward the spring. I thought he was going to sober up.' as he used to, and would return, but he has not come down." Billy's brain was suddenly smitten with the remembrance of the man he had seen disappearing in the smoke of the underbrush fire. Had that been Harry? Was the tramp foolish enough to venture into the line of the approaching fire? Perhaps he was still too much intoxicated to realize what he was about. He might have fallen in a drunken stupor somewhere up there in the woods, while every minute the flames were roaring nearer to him. Some of the men and boys from the village had arrived to help the herons. The Sowersby's premises were doomed, but the heron nest could be saved, and Jack and Billy had plenty of assistance. The latter drew his brother out of the crowd and repeated to him what Pearl Mary had said. The fellow will be burned alive up there. "'Gasped Jack. We must find him. "'Whoever goes after him will run the risk he runs,' objected Billy. "'I'm going,' declared the big fellow. "'Don't you realize what it means to Pearl Mary? "'If that scoundrel is lost, she'll never learn the truth about herself. "'I'm going, Billy. I'm going.' "'But not alone, old man,' returned his brother quietly. He gave a few instructions to Lias Short and then followed Jack up the hillside. He shouted to him and caught Jack by the spring. Billy had a sheet that he was stripping up as he hurried on. Wait, he commanded. Wait till I wet these cloths. We'll be glad to wrap them about our heads and faces. My goodness, Jack! But there's a big volume of smoke up here. It's rolling close to the ground. I believe we shall have rain declared jack hurry if we are going to find that poor wretch a loud ping interrupted him a ringing note that rose higher than the roar and crackling of the marching flames it sounded like a single note struck on the bass wire of a great harp what's that cried jack the fire has reached our fence explained billy as they started deeper into the woods still mounting upward the heat has snapped a wire ah there goes another the fire is over our line in one place at least jack and we're going to risk our lives for that drunken scamp growled his brother then he choked and they went on in silence for the smoke made conversation difficult billy began to pant and his leg dragged a little but he managed to keep in sight of his brother The smoke grew more dense, and occasionally through the aisles of the wood. They saw a yellow flame flash upward, and then climb, like a nimble sailor, into some doomed treetop. Their best timber seemed sure to be destroyed, and at another time the thought would have troubled the brothers greatly. Now there was, perhaps, a human life at stake, and Pearl Mary's future happiness in peril, too. Gradually, they approached the line fence. As they mounted higher, it was plain that the fire was not advanced into their own land. Farther up the mountain, Jack occasionally sent a shout of, hello, Harry!' Echoing through the woods. "'If the fellow isn't too drunk to understand what this fire means, he'll surely come toward us, not run away from us,' said the big fellow. But Billy had his doubts. They went on for fully ten minutes and saw nothing but the rabbits and a frightened fox running from the fire. Then, suddenly, a wall of flame sprang up at their left, a thicket, through which the line fence ran, was blazing fiercely. Again, one of the strands of heavy wire snapped, its resonant voice ringing through the wood. "'There!' yelled Jack, seizing his brother's shoulder. "'There's the fellow now!' Just beyond the patch of flame, a human figure staggered out of the thicket. They saw him stand waveringly, his arm over his eyes to shield them from the scorching heat. Perhaps he was already blinded by the flames. "'Harry! Harry! This way!' shouted Jack. For a moment they saw his face. He dropped his arms and glared about him like a creature at bay. The smoke billowed about his figure silhouetted against the background of yellow flame. Then suddenly he turned, turned to run from them, Billy realized, and he sprang forward himself with a cry, hoping to halt the fellow. PING! Another strand of the fence-wire broke. They saw it writhing in the air, and, in an instant, like the hand of fate itself, it seized upon the running man and brought him to the ground in the very path of the advancing fire. The brothers dashed on to the writhing man. They waded through burning brush with the flames knee-high. They seized upon him. The coiling wire had lassoed him, and his struggles had served only to entangle him the tighter, while the leaping flames seared him until his clothing smoked. Those few seconds were like a vision of purgatory to Jack and Billy Heron, but they freed the body at last. Jack shouldered it and followed by his brother leapt away to higher ground where the fire had not yet come somehow they fought their way back through the smoke to the spring there billy could go no farther and dropped beside the covered pool jack dashed buckets full of water over them both but the unconscious harry lay so still where the big fellow had placed him that they thought him already dead jack hurried for assistance The men brought a door, upon which they lifted the injured man, whom, meanwhile, Billy had found to be breathing. But he was far gone, and the eye of a layman only was needed to discover that Harry, the tramp, had come to the end of his rope. He had sucked the heat and flames into his lungs. His body was scorched, his face a mass of scars and burns. He begged them, when they reached the bungalow, to let him lie on the porch, and not to remove his tortured body to a bed inside. One of the neighbors took Short's wagon and started for Dr. Olson, but they all realized that the injured man would not live until the doctor came, and Harry knew this fact better than anyone. "'Well, I got mine, didn't I?' he whispered to Billy. "'I never could stand prosperity.' And by the writhing of his features, Billy knew that the fellow was trying to display his old, leering grin. It suddenly began to rain, a downpour that promised to save the heron's outbuildings and perhaps to quench the forest fire itself. Harry still feebly begged them not to carry him into any shelter. "'I've been rained on many times before. I ain't neither sugar nor salt,' he mumbled. "'I I guess I'll get a whole lot worse than rain where I'm going, eh?' God help you, cried Billy under his breath. Don't go out of life so hopelessly, so wickedly. Maybe you haven't had a chance, Harry, but you've got a last chance now. Ask forgiveness and help of the one who only can aid a man in your situation. (laughs) Huh! You're a good fella, mumbled the tramp. Yes, I'd like to square things, but I got something to do first. Can't can't ask. Forgiveness. Say, where's that gal? Pearl Mary and Jack stood nearby. The big fellow drew the girl forward into the range of the dying man's vision. Do you mean Pearl Mary? Asked Billy softly. That's her, gasped the man. His breath labored now. Ah, tell you, your old man. Well, not probably remember again. I give her to him. Yeah. She's... She's me brother's kid. Brother died. Her mother died, too. And I couldn't... Couldn't find her mother's folks. I wasn't fit to bring up no gal baby. Again, that writhing of the tortured face that Billy knew for a grin. So struck your house. The old man and his wife was good-natured. They was stuck on heaven, the baby. I didn't tell him much, but Jess, Jess sneaked." There sounded a ghastly sort of a chuckle in his throat. His body relaxed upon the rude couch. He breathed for some time, but he did not speak again. When they finally lifted him and bore him into the house, he was far, far beyond the power of caring what they did with that poor scorched body that they had only known as Harry. When they performed the last kind offices that could be done for this wreck of manhood, Billy discovered that the tramp was dressed in new underwear and linen and that his outer clothing had been of good material, too. He suspected that it was Harry, after all, whom he had passed on the street several weeks before they found nearly a hundred dollars in his pockets his observation that he couldn't stand prosperity was then explained where he had obtained these funds and good clothes the herons could not imagine and the poor wretch's death cast a deeper shadow over the lives of the young people pearl mary accepted the whispered words of harry on his deathbed as final She knew at last what manner of people she sprang from. Although her parents may have been harmless folk, her uncle was evidently a man of low origin, and the same blood that ran in his veins ran in hers. They could not move her from that stand, nor would she listen to Jack Heron's pleading. "'If there was good reason for my refusing to marry you before, Jack,' she said quietly, when i was not sure what my parentage was consider how much less fit i know myself to be now i know what that man was there may be other relatives living who are even worse than he i will not listen to you harry was my uncle my father may have been a worse man than he who was my poor mother there may be no redeeming features upon either side of my family let me alone jack i hate myself now and i should utterly scorn myself and be miserable for the refit of my life if i allowed you to give me your good name and saddle the family with the burden of a girl who is worse than a nobody foolish of course but who was to change pearl mary's mind when once it was made up the boys knew her disposition of old and gentle and sweet as she ordinarily was, did she once set her mind and heart on a thing she was as unyielding as granite. She believed she owed it to the family that had sheltered her and kept her from the charity home or from the streets to refuse Jack's pleading. Nought they could say would change her decision. Even Veronica Calvert, before she went home for the winter, tried to span the gulf pearl mary had set between herself and jack if jack had not been her own cousin and if she had not learned to love pearl mary so much veronica would certainly have set her cap for the big fellow but she was as unsuccessful as billy had been as mediator and she went home in tears and told her mother and father all about it it was a somewhat gloomy winter therefore at the heron nest and yet their harvests had been most abundant everything about the farm was successful and the outlook for the next year was most inspiring the venture of billy and louise van Coe in the culture of pansies pinks and roses was eminently satisfactory too and this partnership between the banker's daughter and billy heron not only jack but the rest of the family realized was destined to be a deeper and more lasting compact than one inspired by mere business interests. End of chapter 23